Hey, we love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. This July 4th weekend, put down the tongs, step away from the grill, and get to Burger King to try a grilled dog for just a dollar. Ask for the dollar grilled dog deal and get a classic grilled dog for a dollar. Only at Burger King. At participating restaurants on July 2nd and 3rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host. So happy to be with us for this episode. I wanted to have on Arturo Galetti because of Boxcore Geeks because we're at about the halfway point, and before the season, he and I did an extended double podcast on the over unders. And since we're at the halfway point, it's a good time to evaluate that. And I didn't want to go through everybody, so what I did is I picked out five of the biggest underachievers relative to their over under expectation and then five of the greatest overachievers, which happen to be five of the best teams. So we talk about those teams, and then we, we hit on some other ones. And for those of you that are interested in a specific team, you can go to the Real GM page for this podcast, and it will have timestamps for everything. So I really loved having Arturo on. It's always a pleasure to have him, and I hope you enjoy it too. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, it's nice to be on. So the way that we're, we talked about that we're going to start this is we're going to do... We're not going to go through everybody with the over-unders, but we're going to talk about kind of the top five and the bottom five over- and underachievers. And where that starts is kind of an interesting team, and that's Minnesota, who I would attribute a lot of their underachieving to the fact they haven't had Ricky Rubio much of the season. But there still is a lot to know and to learn about this team. Well, I think one of the things you have to do in this day and age is look at the way the team is being played and, and the guys they're playing. And I think the two things for Minnesota is is one, they've got all these guys that, like, are off. And, I, I mean, honestly, if they really want to play Rubio and Pekovic, they probably could play Rubio and Pekovic. And I think the other thing about this is their strategy is kind of geared towards losing. So the Sixers trick, when the Sixers are, are trying to tank, is the tr- Sixers play really fast because when you play really fast, the worst team loses more. Uh, the, the trick the, the, the T-Wolves are doing is they're taking all these long twos, which, you know, we'll get into arguments with coaches online on this, but... If you're taking long twos in this day and age, then you're not trying to win. I mean, that's that's actually like a like a failed strategy. So instead of taking a step back and shooting the three, which has a, a higher uh, EV value, you're taking a step forward and shooting the long two, which has less. So I mean, there are positive signs on that team. I think Wiggins has actually gotten way better recently, and there there's a lot of talent there. Uh, but I don't believe that the intention for that team is to try to win games this season. I mean, do you disagree with what I'm what I'm saying? Yeah, I I I think it's a little bit of both. I think Flip would like to win games, but I also think that it was an inevitability from where they were. But yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with Wiggins. I was somebody who was a little bit lower on his offensive potential, which is why I had him dropped a little bit in the rankings. I always thought his defensive talent was there, but he's shown me more offensively than I expected early, and that's always a good sign, especially for a guy who's that young. Yeah, we'll talk about the trade in a little bit because there's another team coming up where that's going to become important. But, I mean, I think that Wiggins is kind of the best case for what we thought he could be. I mean, I thought that he was really raw. 
his numbers in college didn't reflect that he was ready, but he's been, I mean, like his progression has been really, really, really good, right? He looks like an NBA player. He looks, you know, more than flashes, he's actually looked very solid. And I did not expect that from him. And I think that this is very much a surprise, you know? Yeah, I think so too. And the other nice thing about that is I think that assuming Rubio and Wiggins are parts of their future and you can make an argument about how that works, but I think that makes some sense, then it gives you a lot of flexibility for the third guy in that because I think Wiggins can eventually defend both swingman positions. And so the most important thing there is to get a guy who can hit open shots, but I would say ideally somebody who could create as well would be wonderful. But you can get it as a guy who's 6'8 or a guy who's 6'4, whatever works and then you could just have Wiggins bounce around a little bit. Yeah, I, I saw. I mean, I saw the the T Wolves. I believe it was against the Suns. That was the nationally televised game that they were playing. And you know, my impression was that Wiggins was actually the best player on the court. And 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 you know, and and the Suns have some really good players, but just Wiggins looked like a guy who's going to be. I could see him being a top five guy in like in like three or four years. So I mean, like you know, I mean, I think. Minnesota made out like, you know, they, they actually won that trade despite themselves, I think. Well, we, I mean, like, they didn't win that. Well, they won, I mean, the, tra- they won the trade for this reason. They were, they were going to, they had an asset that was depreciating very, very quickly, and they got the best possible return for him because Wiggins was, I mean, granted, I had Embiid higher than Wiggins and I had Exum higher than Wiggins, but excluding that kind of thing. They got that. They got an interesting lottery ticket in, in Anthony Bennett. Obviously, the Thaddeus Young part of the trade was misguided. We both hated that at the outset, but the other parts of it, I think they did pretty well on. Well, I mean, I think the thing that frustrated me, a lot of things frustrated me about that trade, but I think the biggest one was that, uh, you know, I really thought that the pieces, some other other pieces that, like, that team had would have been more helpful to uh, Cleveland, and and I wish they would have moved Ben. I mean, I think at this point, I wish at the time they would have moved Bennett on, and now I'm like, you know, I really think they should have moved that, they should move Bennett on. Because it's not, he's not, I don't think he's a fit. Because you've got Ding, you've got Wiggins, you've got Peck, you've got Thaddeus. I mean, like, you need to move one of those power forwards. I might want to just keep Thaddeus. I mean, I don't, I mean, See, your I mileage think, is I very think Thaddeus is just going to get the heck out of there as soon as he can, which is at the end of this season. Yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a, it's still, and I and I still think that that team is a trade away. They need to move some some more of those pieces out. I mean, I, I would, uh, honestly, I mean, there are teams that could totally use Rubio. Right and, and 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 although I mean I think they want to keep him, but I think there are teams that could use Peck, and and it does seem like it. This is a buyer's market. You will get a you will get a team that will give up some pieces, some real pieces, some real assets if you're willing to give some players that have value in the in title chase. And I think Minnesota does have some players that like are really valuable in the title chase. Yeah, and they can also shed some money if they can find somebody who wants Kevin Martin and they can do things like that. Yeah, I, I think that they could definitely play a role in all this just depending on when they're willing to give it up and, and move in that direction because we've already seen more first-round picks move this year, I think, than all of last year during the year. And there's still so many teams that think they can contend, so you could see a guy like that young. Maybe I don't think you're going to get a good first for him, but you could maybe get back a late something to take out some of the hit of losing that pick that Miami might give up sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that, again, I think we're spending a lot of time on T-Wolves. I mean, I think that the, 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 the central takeaway is they, they got a real player who's going to look like he might be a star in the league in, in Wiggins. They have some other pieces that are interesting, but they don't quite fit together. So I think 
they need to kind of decide what the strategy is going for. The strategy is the strategy I would have is Wiggins, uh, Ding, and Rubio, and everything else is not bolted down should be traded for assets, right? And I think that's 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 even even Peck is a guy who I would move. See, I would actually have Peck at the top of the list to move because I think that he doesn't make sense with where this team is going, and and I think his value is still relatively high as long as he can prove he's healthy. But I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, but let's move on to Charlotte. Charlotte's a, an interesting team. I think they're unlike. The Wolves, they don't have as much of the excuse of injury. I think they've just, they haven't been as good as we hoped they would be. Well, I think one of the things that, that, that is a working theory that I have, and, and I've been arguing about this for a bit, which is you honestly, you want, you want a plus defender on the wing and you want a plus defender at the post. But once you have that, then everything else is kind of redundant, uh, at least on the defensive side. And then you want to get like plus offensive players. And I think. The problem with the Lance trade, which was the big move that they made, is, is it Lance was really a bad fit for what they had, and he wasn't adding... They were already a good defensive team, and he wasn't actually making them better. Whereas I, I still think Lance can help another team. It's just, it's just really a bad fit for this team. And, and really, they should... You know, they, they, they've been in the trade rumors recently. There was that three-teamer with... Wait, the three-teamer was with Brooklyn, OKC, and them, Correct. right? So, uh, and I believe it was, it was Brooklyn who was getting Lance, which to me is kind of weird because Lance makes way more sense in, goal, in, in, in Oklahoma than he does in, in, in Brooklyn. But that's just me, you know, and, and apparently because I think everybody else is kind of, you know, they're, they're willing to just say, hey, Lance doesn't work on this particular team. So, like, he's not any good. But, I mean, it's just a strange team, you know, and I think that's kind of, that's kind of in the problem. And, again, I come back to the fact that, like, really, who's – Who's their best offensive player? Who's the best offensive player on that team? I'd say it's probably Al Jefferson. I guess you could, there are a bunch of guys that you can make a half-hearted argument for. He hasn't. I mean, like, really, right now, like, by my numbers, it's only really Kemba who's been a positive offensive force on that team. And it's really only since Lance went down that he's been that like that. So it, it, it's a weird kind of place where, like, the guy who you're playing the big salary to is the guy who, like, has to go away for you to be good. So, again, I think... You try these things, you take these chances. Lance Stevenson was a guy you take a chance on. When it doesn't work on the fifth, then move, move. You know, quick. Like you know, I'm a big believer in like slow to hire and quick to fire. Fire him, right? Get somebody else in. It doesn't mean I don't think that Lance Stevenson is a guy who can contribute and be a really good NBA player. He's just a bad fit for that team. I agree Go with ahead. that, and I think that um, on that same note of quick to hire, quick to fire, considering the whole thing with his player option next year and where the Hornets are, I would seriously consider trading Al Jefferson because there isn't really a need for him right now. And they can you need rim protection at the center spot, and if you don't, you're asking a lot of your power forward. And if there's, I think a team would give up something for him this year, and if they can get something, I think that would be huge. Yeah, I think the the, the only the, the the big assets on that team, like to me, the best player is Walker right now, and, and he he's not he's not. I, I would you call Kemba Walker a top fifteen point guard? No, probably not. But there are so many good point guards. He's still he's still worth having, but I don't think he's in the top half. Where would you put uh, Al Jefferson in the big man list? If we're combining power forwards and centers, I would say he's outside the top ten. But, I mean, he's another guy like Pekovich, you and would, I would, have. Would, would, would Al Jefferson, how many minutes would Al Jefferson get on the Bulls? Ooh, Lord. Like 22, maybe? Who's, whose minutes is he taking? Oh, whose I, don't, I, are, I don't know whose minutes are Whose minutes are you giving him? Are you giving him Taj's minutes or Miritic's minutes? Or or Powell's minutes? Or, or Noah's minutes? 
But the Bulls are such an aberration. I mean, that's well, no, that's but, a but I mean, this, this, this is a good example. It's like, would, I don't know that he, he maybe get like, you know, he get like 10 or 15, but like, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm sure Tibbs would like go like, he would want, not want to play him over Taj. And I think that's kind of the example. You, you, you look at that and go like, huh, you know, and, or like, let's see, and who's another contender? I mean, I, you know what, actually, I think Al would get minutes on the Hawks, but how many minutes would he get on the Hawks? Yeah, probably in that 20, 24 range, probably. But I'm not completely yeah. confident in that because he's so different from what they have. Yeah, he wouldn't like – so he can't take threes like Perro. So, I mean, like – and this is not – I mean, you know, I, I love Al. Al was a – I love him when he was on the Celtics. I, I've always rooted for him. But he's always been kind of a weird piece. And I don't know that you can win – like, have – I don't know if he can be a key piece on a serious contender. He'd be he good on be the a, Thunder. He'd be real good on the Thunder. It has to be the right team. He'd be – would, huh. So if you put him on the Thunder, is he playing the five? Absolutely, you play him with Serge. You have to, and you have Serge. So you have to play him with a guy. It's like Kevin Love. It's like you have to play him with a guy who can protect the rim. And yeah, I think that would kind of work. I mean, that's actually better fit. Well, actually, we'll talk a bit about that. We're going to talk about fits next to Serge. But but yeah, I mean, I I think this is a team that can win. Their best case scenario is winning half their games. But they have to move Lance for something. Right and yeah. and and like, I, think, so, I think that's fair, but again, his value is as low as it's going to be. So you you always worry about selling low on a guy. I think that's enough on the Hornets, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the next team, I'll I'll initiate the conversation a little bit more. I had Nate Duncan on last week, and we talked about how if they can get to full strength, I actually really like this unit if they can get him on Shepard and Mozgov and everybody else all the way there. But the Cavs oh, have a long Cavs. way to go. Do you want me to go off on my Cavs rant? Uh, let's do an abridged version. Okay, so the Cavs rant is as follows, right? So I do not understand the offense that this team is running, right? You don't, I mean, it is a crime to have a player like Kevin Love and have him say, like, Kevin, just no, no, just, just stand the corner. Like, we're, we're going we're gonna to run this offense through Kyrie, and, like, you can just stand the corner, and, like, we're not going to run it through. I, I don't get their offense, right? Like, Kevin Love should be the top of the key or at the free throw line, and you should be running. He should basically be running the kind of stuff that the Spurs run with, with Duncan and that the Hawks run with Horford. Like, just have him be the PNR man, right? And use him and have him pick and pop and have him move off and then have Kyrie go off, uh, go off those screens and roll to the basket or get an open shot. And have LeBron, and basically just rest LeBron, and have LeBron. LeBron can just basically play off him and rest. But what they're doing right now makes no sense. I mean, I, I watch this team, and, and like guys are just standing in the corner watching just like these like ISO plays, and I'm like, this is the dumbest offense I've seen in a long. I mean, like I've seen beating Del Negro teams that look better coached than this team, and. You know, the, the whole argument about, like, when are we supposed to criticize? I mean, like, we're, we're half a season in, right? And this doesn't look like it's a fa- They have. This team has talent. If you took this roster and gave them to... Well, let's, let me pull a coach out of my hat. If I took this roster and gave it to Scotty Brooks, would they look better? I think so. I mean, and the other component of it that is frustrating to me is that if you're going to do that kind of stuff with Love when he's on the floor with Kyrie and with LeBron, then just make sure that he's on the floor when those guys aren't and let him dominate the ball and do his thing so he can get some confidence and be happy that he's getting touches and points. And then maybe you reduce his role with the other guys. I think that's stupid, but at least you're throwing him a bone there. Yeah, but see, here's the problem, right? So if, if I'm looking at this team and I'm going like, so where is the problem, right? So I, I, I've got LeBron, who's a, an all-time great player. And again, I think the problem with LeBron is, is like he's kind of a little bit banged up and not engaged. And he is not, 
he's not a plus defender anymore, right? He used to be kind of, you have guys who are plus defenders and guys who are elite uh, offensive players, and LeBron was both, and he's not. The second one, like, only when he's interested is he that guy. He, he's shown flashes recently. Then you have Kevin, who Kevin Love is a guy who is who, who is a guy you 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 run you build your offense and you build an efficient offense around, but you don't ask him to protect the rim. You need a guy next to him like Pekovic who can do it, and that's fine. And then you have Kyrie, and Kyrie, I love Kyrie's talent, but he's never shown that he is an elite point guard. I, I mean, I don't care. I mean, people will argue it's like I, I'll argue talent to that, but he hasn't shown me he can run a team. And actually, of the three, he's the one that I don't necessarily want to keep. Right, because I mean, you know, they the people talk about like Kevin Love not showing it, but Kevin Love's like run, it's been the centerpiece of a top five, like top three offense in the NBA. Like Kyrie really hasn't been, and 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 it gets to the point where like you have these talented guys, but like, how do you play on a team with Kevin Love and, and LeBron James as the point guard and not have at least eight or nine assists a game? How, how is that possible? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a huge problem, and I mean the Anderson Verjao thing was always a problem. I mean, what I would have done with them is you, you, you use every lottery ticket you have on rim protection, and you do all that, and maybe one or two of them works, as opposed to, you know, go kind of doing what they did and using assets for guys like Sean Marion. I mean, Marion's a fine player, but you want to get rim protection because when you're gonna have Kyrie and what was originally Kyrie and Deion Waiters, you know, the other team's going to get to the rim a lot. And so you want somebody to make it so that when they get to the rim, they're going to make a smaller proportion of those shots. So yeah, I think that there are some flaws on both ends of it, but I, I was a part of a hardwood paroxysm thread. They're like, what would you do with David Blatt? And to me, what you do is you say, okay, unless LeBron says something about it, or I guess you could say maybe love, you give him the rest of this year, but you tell him that if it doesn't work from a process perspective, not from a results perspective, that it's very, very possible he could be gone. So you, you, you say, you get your best shot at this. We want to see your best shot. And if you fail, then at least you can you can cut ties there. And if he succeeds, then awesome. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's just one of these things where I, like, I, I watch this team and I'm like, you know, I don't... See, here's the problem. I don't see Cleveland right now winning a round in the East, right? So let, let's say Cleveland's the five seed and they're getting Milwaukee. I'm not picking Cleveland over Milwaukee. You couldn't get me to pick Cleveland over Milwaukee in the series. Not Milwaukee even with is the better coached. It it doesn't matter. Like Milwaukee is like is better coached. They're they 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 play hard. They play super hard defense. They got length. They would be like I mean, I mean yeah. It might be one of those series like like when the Nuggets lost to the Lakers. Uh, like and that that was the year the Lakers ended up like losing to the. They got swept by the Mavs, and then that that series where like Denver was the better team, but you know they they were younger and they weren't getting any calls. So maybe right, but it depends. I mean, like it depends on whether like remember like LeBron's gonna get the calls, but Love and Kyrie aren't right. Love and Kyrie are like who who's Love and Kyrie? Who's David Blatt? Right. So I mean, kid, kid's a guy who can who who gets some respect from the refs just because he's Jason Kidd. Everybody in the league will respect Jason Kidd. So in a hypothetical first round series between Milwaukee and Cleveland, where well, Milwaukee has home court, right? Because I think that's probably the more likely scenario with Cleveland as a five and, and Milwaukee as a four. Then I would probably have Milwaukee. And, and and I don't I don't feel bad about it. I really don't. I mean like that team plays hard defense and they're actually getting better as the season goes on. They like playing with each other. Right? And they're a fun team to watch. So and this is this is just really not a fun team. And once like the fouls come down, people start pounding them. Like unless unless Andy Varejao's back, right? So 
is Varage out, out for the season or just hurt for a, a like he always gets the, gets hurt? He's out, what I've heard is he's out for the season, so I wouldn't it, I wouldn't think he'll play at all. Yeah, so I mean that that's the best part because it's not that it's Moskov and I don't I mean like so basically you're running with like a rookie. So so who's providing rim protector rim protection in the playoffs? Who's 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 the toughest guy on the team? And and really unless unless LeBron James kind of like gets interested in playing defense again, then I don't see it. Right. Again, here's the thing. LeBron could will them to a victory, but I don't see this team. Who are they beating in the first round in the East? Like who? Who? Like their best bet is probably Toronto. And 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 oh, Raptors fans are gonna hate me for that. But but like I, even you know, I don't know that they can be. I, I think Toronto could beat this team. I think anybody could beat them, but I think if they can get even close to where I think their potential is, I could see them beating anybody except for maybe the Hawks. I, I, I think that they have the talent to do it, but the question is it's not about best outcome, it's most likely outcome, and that's where their problems lie. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that, as I said, could you build a team that was good with what you have? And my take is yes, I would... If you build the team around, and you build the offense around Love, and what I say by that is, I mean run it through Love. I don't mean he necessarily gets all the touches, but you run it through the post, and you have everybody just moving around, and you have Kyrie doing like you know Kyrie doing screen, the kind of stuff that Tony Parker does, and then you then you have LeBron playing the kind of role. And again, I'm going by Spurs terminology, but think think guys, just picture the Spurs offense. Picture what Tim Duncan does for the Spurs, and that's what you have Kevin Love do. Picture what Tony Parker and Manu do. Uh, for the Spurs, and that's what you have Kyrie Irving do, and picture what Kyrie Leonard does for the Spurs, which he just kind of floats around and does stuff, and that's the kind of thing, and LeBron could just, you know, he, he could love that role, and again, you wouldn't have to, and then you can switch him, and you can have LeBron in the Tony Parker mono role to just kind of mess with people, and then have Kyrie just sit in the corner and take corner stuff because he can actually hit it, so, and they're, you know, and they're guys on this team where it could work, and I agree with you that they should they need a guy who can protect the rim, and they've got Moskov. He's not necessarily the case. So, I mean, they also have JR. You can get somebody for JR probably if you're willing to give up another asset, right? I don't know who that is, but you can probably get somebody for JR. I, I don't like JR in the long term for this team. I'm all right with him, but um, let's move on to the team that they, you know, the, that basically JR replaced, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm shocked in a lot of ways that the guy that it looks like they chose to replace Reggie Jackson is Dion Waiters because. Dion Waiters, I, I see him having a value in the league, but it, he has gone from one situation where he made no sense to a second situation where he makes no sense. Oh, see, but Scotty loves this kind of guy. This is going to be great. It's like he's going to make Scotty's going to fall in love with uh, Dion and just play him. And then say there was like the, the the game the other night against the Rockets where he had more shots than Kevin Durant, which is just 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 insane. I, I mean, this is you know it, just adding Dion Waiters to the mix is not a solution. Right and and again it it's it's kind of weird they have Kevin Durant who's possibly the best player in the league. Well, I mean, the Anthony Davis isn't quite there, but Kevin Durant when healthy is the best player in the league. Russ has been struggling a bit, but I mean again I, I always think the problem is like it's it's a bad fit. It's the problem with this team has always been the co- their coach is not good. Scotty Brooks is not good. Scotty Brooks doesn't know how to maximize the assets he has. Right, and he's been able to get away with it because of the talent level of his players but with Ibaka being a little banged up and Russ just kind of being lost and losing some key pieces like you know Tabletsefalosha people forget Tabletsefalosha was good for this team he was a little bad at the end of the year but he's good for this team he's been great for the Hawks right so it's 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 you know they're not as deep or as good and so 
you know, we're here where they're 13 games from getting eliminated from the playoffs, basically. And and Oklahoma keeps avoiding this, and, and I know that Preston keeps trying stuff, but but at, at some point, you know, the, the, just change the coach. Get get somebody who has a better understanding of, of offense and can use his assets better, and you should be able to do better. I mean, like, this team is, I mean, this is a still team that has, you know, the one of the, the best player in the league and, and, and two guys who, who are definitely top 30 next to him, and they should be there. And even with all the injuries, they should still be there, even as bad as, as 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 tough as the West is. But but as you said, like adding Dion Waiters and having him take shots away, and now the possibility of adding Brook Lopez. I mean, and here's the thing: I like that that proposed Brook Lopez deal. I like because they're basically getting Brook Lopez for nothing if that goes down, and I think it might be dead at this point. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you think they're making the playoffs? Yes, I still think they are. So who's not making the playoffs of the eight teams that are in front of them? I think somebody will have a big injury. I don't. I and I would say that the most likely team to fall out is Phoenix. But I think somebody's gonna somebody's gonna have what happened in Memphis. But they're gonna. But it's gonna be a tighter margin this year, and they're gonna get and that'll put them in. Yeah, but man, Phoenix actually went out and made their team better too. I love the they Brandon did. Wright trade. I mean, that Brandon Wright trade is a really good trade, right? It's like let's that, that see that's it's like the difference between Presti. And like McDonough, McDonough went out and has made some really. He's got assets. He's got picks. He's like he he just went out and got it. I need a power forward to to uh, to uh, complement what I have, and he went out and got it. And I actually think uh, Len has been fire for that team. He's actually been really good quietly. Nobody like if you watch him, you're like he he looks like a dominant center at times now, which is kind of scary. I mean, so that's that's a and their guards like after a rough start, Drogic is looking good and. And Bledsoe's looking at it. So I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't see Phoenix falling. I think the more likely team to fall is the mess in is like uh, is Doc and his son out in L.A. is is a team that's more likely to fall. But I still think. I mean, the Clippers are so good that that I mean, I just don't see it. See, right now it's like so. So right now Oklahoma is they are three and a half games back, right? And they're tied with New Orleans. And I don't know that. I don't know that they're nominally better than New Orleans right now. They, they at least they haven't played. They haven't I played better. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing who's going to let them back in, right? That that's my problem with them. And the problem is at this point that I mean that Rockets Thunder game was just a microcosm because and I said this on Twitter, which is I think the Harden deal is going to be in the first sentence of Sam Presti's obituary. Well, right? except that I'm not sure that the Harden deal was his fault. You know, like that's the hard thing with all this is I think that. The Harden deal was probably from ownership, but in a way you can argue, oh, the general manager is going to do that. But the Harden deal was a disaster. I'm one of the people who's hated it since day one. I, I, the yeah. only reason I'm not criticizing it all the time now is because I got sick of doing so. But if you, let's say, if you had the edict from ownership that we are not going to pay the luxury tax, things were always going to be bad for this Thunder team, if that was what it is. If that isn't, then that's on Presti and that's his fault. But that's always been my interpretation once we've seen that this team has never been willing to spend despite how obviously good they were. Well, but see, but the obvious flaw for this team has always been the following. And I think I said at the beginning, which is Scotty, the, the fit between Scotty and Russ has never been good, right? Scotty runs dumb offense, and, and Westbrook has a tendency to run dumb offense. You put them together and you get... Bad Russ, right? So you either move Russ and get a better a guy who's more of a pure point guard and put him on the team, or you get rid of Scotty and get a guy who can actually teach and make this team better. Scotty Brooks has not shown me anything 
to make me think that he's a coach that can improve players, right? So, like, all the young, like, outside of Durant and, and Westbrook and Ibaka just kind of getting older, everybody else is like, have we seen growth from any of these players on this roster? I mean, I think Steven Adams has gotten a little bit better, but, yeah, not a ton. I, I mean, and, Robert, but, and, and Robertson looks better, but that I think that's more his personal, you know, just getting older than as opposed to him being substantially more skilled. See, my thing, and I think we can end on this, is I don't think Oklahoma City is winning the title. No. They're not, not, they're not winning the title this year. They're not winning the title next year. And they're, they're just not winning the title. And, and not only are they not winning the title, I think Kevin Durant is gone, right? I, I, I don't think there's anything they can do at this point that leads me to think that they can keep him. It's, right? I, I, think, I, I think at this point there's very little they can do to save it. They could or not need to save it, but there's nothing they can do to save it. So, so that, uh, let's, what, let's move on, though, I think. Unless, do you have something more so, than that? I think at some point they're going to have to start thinking like Dwight and like that. It's like, so if you think that, you can't save it. And I, I think they're doing, the despa- they're doing desperation throws now. So they're doing saving throws now. And if it doesn't work, then prepare for the Kevin Durant trade uh, drama. See, I disagree I with I disagree with that because they're never going to get much back. I, I think that unless you can, unless they could pull something like Bradley Beal from the Wizards, because of the way that the cap is going to explode, I think that teams are going to be excited about the possibility of getting him for nothing. And I think that I, I think just, that I, if you're Oklahoma City, you're never going to get another Kevin Durant. So you keep him as long as you can, and you pray that he stays. I'm going. I'm going to say the. I'm going to say the opposite because of the exploding cap. We've seen that teams are willing to make more crazy offers and crazy moves. I think that like the like you, Oklahoma will wind up trading Kevin Durant next season for something crazy, right? If he's going, this is again. This is if Kevin Durant doesn't sign. If he says I'm not staying, then they're going to wind up trading him next year for something crazy. Because somebody's gonna make somebody's gonna make some crazy offer, and again, it's one thing. Same thing this year. It's like, oh, the trades are much more easier because teams are looking and go like, yeah, I can absorb a twenty-one million dollar contract because the cap's gonna go up by twenty million, right? And if I can get Kevin Durant under contract, then I will, I'll throw I'll throw anything in my on my team at you. Well, it'll be exciting to see which one of us is right, and that impacts another team that I don't think we need to talk about nearly as much, which is the Knicks. The Knicks are bad. That is a good thing for them overall because they need to be bad this year. But it's been surprising how wholeheartedly they have embraced the badness. Yeah, I think I said, we said this in the preview rightly, and I have said which like they they could have gone two ways. They had a roster that was built for trade. They could have traded the contracts that they had for pieces and tried to contend make the playoffs, or they could have done what they did, which is just shut everybody down and and said screw it, we're we're, we're rebuilding now. Uh, the the caveat on this is they're gonna. It looks like they're going to rebuild ab- around Carmelo, and honestly and truly, they should be sh- they should be shopping him, right? Because he you, you're never you know you're never going to win the title with Carmelo Anthony as your as your supermax guy. I, I don't see it, and, and I don't think anybody's going to come in and, and it's like who's going who's going to New York to play with Carmelo? Like I. I, I I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is the right way to go, except for the, for the Carmelo deal. And, and, and that, that's the fly in the ointment for this plan. Yeah, I agree with all that. But at the same time, Carmelo has a no trade, so you basically have to convince him to do that. But if he's willing to waive it, I think you do whatever you can to get rid of that because then your sales pitches, you can play with anybody you want. You don't have to play with Melo. But it's out of our hands because we don't know what it would take for him to waive it and who would want him even then. 
Yeah, I, I think he's made noise like he would take, he'd be willing to waive the no trade clause. I think the noise that's come from his camp is that he wanted to sign the con- that super max contract because he couldn't get anywhere else, and then he was willing to move afterwards if the team sucked. So I, I think he's willing to move. I think it might be one of those situations like the guys on the Nets were like, yeah, I, you want to move, but nobody wants you, man. Yeah, I agree with that, but let's let's move on to the top teams. And so here we're going to do the overachievers relative to projections. And the fifth biggest overachiever so far, based on the little preliminary way I did it, is the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies are just a really good basketball team. See, I, I actually was down on them because I, I actually thought that that uh, Zach Zebo and he's actually gotten hurt, he was going to get hurt, and that was going to be a problem for them, kind of like the longevity was going to be an issue for them. They've actually in the in the last little while they've been uh, they've been slowing down. So they were really good at the beginning of the season. They got a little banged up, and now like since Christmas, I've only got them as something like the, the I've only got them as the uh, so this is since Christmas they're the thirteenth ranked team in terms of point margin. So they have been slowing down in the in, in the in the West, and I think that I think they're a team that's going to come back down because the structural issues and the age issues are there. Uh, it's a really interesting team because, I mean, I think they can win the title, right? And they, they just made that Jeff Green trade, which, you know, I mocked them a little bit for it. But, like, you know, upon further reflection, if if, if Jeff Green is replacing Tayshaun Prince, then I see why you did it, right? So, I mean, like, my, my concern with Jeff Green has always been that I, I call him, he's a, he's a very rich man's uh, uh, Rudy Gay in that he, he, he's such a nice boy, you want to give him shots. But he's not—he's not the most efficient cat in the world. So you gotta be careful that you, you know you use him the right way. If he's your—he's a bench—he's a secondary scorer and he's giving you minutes and, see, and he's doing defensive things. That's fine. But what you don't necessarily want to do is you don't want to run the offense through him, right? So, and the other thing is you also don't want to necessarily put him in the post and let's take some other guys off the post, which is inefficient. So I—I've I, loved everything that they've done from a from a management point of view. I think they've been really good this season. And they're one of my three teams that are most likely to win the title. So I've got three teams that I think are the most likely teams to win the title, and they're one of them. But they've slipped back a little bit because for the reasons I thought. But when healthy, this team has the experience. I think they have to be considered a title favorite. Yeah, they're they're definitely in contention. I would take them over teams like Portland and Dallas and things like that. I mean, we still have to see what the Spurs can do. We still have to see if Oklahoma City can make it and all that. But I think that... Memphis has so much talent, and their talent makes sense together. I wish they could get a secondary creator. I've I've wished that for a long time for them, but they're just they're they're really good. I think that's really all we need to say with Memphis for right now. And the next team is a team I just brought up, which is Portland. Their defense has been shocking to me this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, like the thing with Portland, I mean, like Dame Lillard is 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 just a monster. I mean, he is he is. He has just been pure fire this year. It, it, it's amazing. I mean, the thing about their defense is they're doing it right now with Chris Kamen instead of Robin Lopez, which is, to me, is just, you know, I, I think that's, that's almost enough to get Terry Stotts, the coach of the year, right there just, just by itself, right? So, so this is a team that's actually, like, missing a fairly significant piece and been really good. Well, my, my thing with this team is that I think at this point, much like the Warriors, they don't have enough playoff experience for me to take them completely seriously. I think uh, I, I, the Warriors don't have anybody who's been to the conference finals. The The Blazers actually do. It's Robin Lopez is the only guy on this team who's been to the conference finals. Yeah, 2010. Yeah, he was a, he was a rookie in 2010. You're right. You're completely right. He was their starting center. He was a starting center for that team. So they actually have a center who's been to a conference final. So, uh, again, I think the, the thing with the, with, with the, with the Blazers is, 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 okay, so... 
So who are who are you? Let's look at the eight teams that are the likely playoff teams in the West. So who are the who are the? I think we've talked about this before. Like who are the Blazers beating in a playoff series in the West? Right. So do you see them beating the Warriors in a playoff series? I, I think the only teams that I would definitely have them over right now, I'd have them over the Clippers. That would be an amazing series. I'd be very excited to see that. And yeah. Dallas. I, I think I would have Dallas over them, but that would be a real coin flip for me. Yeah, I think I would have Dallas because Dallas is getting every single call in that series. And if they didn't, Cubes would complain about it uh, incessantly. I think uh, I'd have if them. Phoenix makes it, I'd have them over Phoenix. See, that would be that would be a that would be a fire series. But yeah, I'd have them over Phoenix. I'd have them over Phoenix. I'd have them over God. Uh, I wouldn't. Ha- you know what? I wouldn't have them over the Rockets just because of the fact that like it, I've always thought that that James Harden has a little Jordan in him, in the sense that like when when he's mad, and you can tell when he's mad. He's been mad. There's been points in his career or in series where he's been mad, and he's just been completely insane. And if if if, if it was Portland against Houston, I would expect. Harden to just go completely bonkers in that series. He would just be mad the entire series, and it would be something to see. It, it would actually be, I actually think it would probably be the best thing that could happen to, to Harden for his career is to get the Blazers in the first round again. Because it would be, it, I, I would just imagine his switch just goes completely off. And I, you you saw a little bit of that if you if you watch that Rockets uh, Thunder. He, he had that look in his eye where like, no, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm mad and I'm just crushing you guys. And, and and I like that. I've always liked that about them, and I, I think it would be great. I, I would love a, a – I actually – now I'm rooting for a Rockets-Blazers uh, series. That needs to happen. I think, again, I think, I think the Blazers – I think the Blazers can make the conference finals, but things have to break their way, and they have to get a little bit of luck. But we've seen that with Lillard, uh, a little bit of luck goes a long way. So I, I like this team. I, I don't see them making the finals, but I like this team. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's – I'd say that's a fair assessment on it, and we'll move on to another team that I know that we both like, which is the team that has the coach of the year unless he sets everybody in the world on fire, and that's Steve Kerr. I mean, this team is pretty incredible right now. Him or Budenholzer? Uh, I, can... I think Kerr gets it because he's doing it with largely you know, the same guys, but he's the real change with Budenholzer. It's, it's, a, it's an easy case for people like you and I to make, but the casual case, you know, that... The the case for Kerr, I think, is a very easy one for writers. It's an easy narrative. Yeah, I mean, I think the the only problem is like there might be some resentment from the coaching fraternity because a lot of people are like uh, the, the the whole Mark Jackson thing, and 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 I think that there are guys in the media who who might go against that narrative, right? So I think I think Budenholzer is a more politically correct candidate, and I think that's why I, I'm not willing to say that Kerr is is a slam dunk on this because there might be some resentment, not against Kerr, but necessarily, but probably maybe against the, but against the uh, the Warriors for an office on this. I, I disagree with you, but I understand your logic. I think that I think that it's there. But let's the more important thing is just how well I think that they're playing, and and notably, you and I are both huge on Andrew Bogut. That they've done so much damage without him is insanely impressive to me. Well, I, I, did I did I tell you? My, I, I think I told you my Steve Kerr story. Did I tell you when I met? Steve, I think I told you my Steve Kerr story when I, when I was in San Francisco, which is I met him. And the funny thing is, I met him, and he was still working with TNT, but he was talking to all the Warriors guys when I met him, right? And, That's pretty and, funny. So they were all talking, and they were like, "No, no, you can't say this." But now you know it's like because we we were harassing we him, like, "Oh, you're going to be the Warriors coach now." He's like, "No, no, you can't say that." And it, this was a Sloan. And, and and you know obviously you know this we were just we were just giving them a hard time because you know obviously they're friends, but I mean like you know it's one of those things like when he ended up getting hired by that team we were not surprised at all because 
we're like, you know, we he we knew that he was friends with that team, and it, it just kind of, you know, he's been really smart about what he does with his team. He's running really the right system, and this is just a team that's never out of any game. I mean, even. You know, they were playing the Thunder. The Thunder were playing a must-win game. And, you know, they didn't have Iguodal. They didn't have Bogut, who were arguably... And you would argue that... I would say that they're top two defenders. You would argue that Draymond's probably uh, number two now, and you might be right. But, like, you know, they didn't have their... the Like, a guy who's arguably a top three center in the league in Bogut, and they still kind of almost pulled it off in that game. I mean, like, the, the Thunder, you know, went away in that game. But, like, I think that the Warriors are playing at a historical pace, they're historically good, and they should be in the conference finals. It would be really strange if they make the finals simply because this is their first go-around. And I think this is very much like that Thunder team that like made the conference finals but couldn't quite get over. right? Because it just, it, it just doesn't happen for you. It doesn't happen for anybody immediately. Right? And the West is so deep that somebody's going to be there with the experience, and, and, and I think the kids get, need to get their heart broken. Now, could they make the finals? Yeah. I don't, but yeah, it, it, it's a hard, I, I mean, I would love for them to have an extra, but we've argued about this. I said, like, they should go out and get, like, Kevin Garnett or get somebody like him who has the experience because that can make the difference in one of these tight playoff games. And I think that's what it could come down to. I mean, I see them, they could be, I honestly think that their boogeyman is going to be the Spurs. And I don't like the Spurs with with Leonard and a fully healthy roster are still a team that I don't think they can beat in a seven game series. Well, yeah, I, I think the Spurs are are pretty clearly the team that scares them, but I think that's the only team really. I, I and I guess a healthy Thunder team just because a healthy Thunder team scares everybody. But yeah, I mean, to me, the Warriors' goal is to get on the opposite side of the bracket as the Spurs and just pray that they don't make the conference finals. And I think as long as that happens, I think the Warriors should feel pretty good about themselves. You realize there's a real chance that that could... I mean, it's actually gotten smaller, but there's a chance that could be the first-round series, right? Oh, I know. That's why the Warriors need to... They need to I, do some tactical movements to make sure that doesn't happen. I honestly think it's going... I think the Spurs are going to wind up something like the fourth seed. So then you're, ta- then you're looking at a second-round series with the Spurs. That's going to be insane if that's the case. Because, I, I mean, I honestly think I, I honestly think that's the finals right now, which is, like, whoever wins... I think Warriors-Spurs will happen, and whoever wins that wins the title this year. Right? And, and I honestly... I mean, I can't see... I just can't see them... I can't see Kerr. I, I can't see a rookie head coach and a team that's never made it to the conference finals winning the title. That's the only thing... Like, God, I wish they'd won last year. But the problem is, like, if, if the Warriors manage to win that series against the Clippers... Here's the way I actually think. If they win that series against the Clippers, I think they win the series against the Thunder because the Thunder got hurt. And then you lose the series against the Spurs because the Spurs were just a machine. And then Mark Jackson is still coaching this team. I think he still gets fired in that situation, which is incredible. But I think knowing what we know now, I think he still would have been fired. And that would have been I, I an think, insane story. I, I think he doesn't get fired until until the season. Like I think that he manages to parlay the conference finals appearance into keeping his job at least through like part of the season and then the locker room just completely so you don't you don't get this team except for the fact that like you know the clippers managed to pull off that late game so the clippers actually winning that series didn't seem like a time and like both being out but it's probably the best thing that ever happened to this franchise because i really like how to look going forward Yep, I, I agree with all that. Uh, let, let's move on. I'm really proud that the top two overachievers in terms of over-under are two teams that you and I pushed pretty heavily in the preseason, and the number two 
is a team that we both absolutely loved and still love, which is the Milwaukee Bucks. So I love, I mean, like, I think that I love everything about the Bucks. That team has been so good. And they were actually like, you know, I thought that they were going to improve. I loved all the players. Uh, I've been a Giannis fan since the beginning. And I also think that, like, Jason Kidd's a good coach, right? And, and, and Jason Kidd was a good point guard, a really good point guard. And he's been, I mean, he, as I said, he, he got, at the time, it's like, he got the Knicks to play unselfish basketball. Uh, and that was kind of a, a weird Knicks roster. And, and he's doing just wonders with his team. And even with the Larry Sanders situation, this hasn't blown up. I mean, like, and, and we were talking about some numbers. So I've got my little tool that lets me see the team breakdowns. And, and so basically, the, the, the Bucks have the best defense in the NBA since Christmas, right? And, and, and again, so their trend has been up the entire season. And we just talked about it before. I mean, I wouldn't. So right now in the first round, so I would have the Bucks losing two. I think a healthy Bulls team. I think the Hawks. And the Wizards, but it would be an interesting series because I think Jason Kidd would basically just be like you know rabbit punching Casey up and down. Like I mean, he like no, he he he's a better coach than him. So I mean, like do you kind of agree to that? I, I think like again, I, I keep saying that the odds for them to make the finals are too high because I could see this team catching fire and making the finals if if, if certain things go wrong in the East. I, I think the finals is is a big thing, but obviously, um, I mean, you're, you're right. It's the, that the it's the East. I mean, that's that's the huge factor in it. But no matter what, what makes the Bucks so much fun is that they're still so overwhelmingly on the positive side of the age curve that you have to be excited about what they're going to be and that they're they're going to get playoff experience now is a really nice thing for them. Yeah, they're, they're gonna they're, they're gonna they're gonna make they're they're probably gonna win forty five games without Javari Parker. And, and they still got a bunch of picks coming, and you know I think they can still move Larry Sanders for something, right? So I mean, I, this is this is a really positive. And as I said, I love I love their coach. I think this is a team that's going places. Now the places might be outside of Milwaukee, but 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 it's a team that's going places. Yeah, that's that's ex- a whole that's a whole another issue. But and, and remember, be excited, be excited, Seattle. No, sorry, Jesus, I, I don't I don't even want to make them think about that. But yeah, I mean that that's certainly sitting in the background. And the and the Bucks, you and I have talked about this before. But what I love so much about this team is that it's so easy for them to get better because they still need to get better at the two guard position. They still need to get point guard depth. Um, though Kendall Marshall, uh, he just got knocked out for the year with an ACL injury, but they got something nice with him. But this team is very easy to improve. This isn't a situation where it's going to be hard to find that guy. All they need is a little bit more juice at the at the two guard spot and depth at the five because Larry Sanders is Larry Sanders. What do you see uh, Giannis' ceiling at? I, I don't know that he has a ceiling. I think that it's a very different thing for him. I think he could be his ceiling is transformational defensive forward and offensively kind of a weird primary secondary handler hybrid with moderate score like number two scorer potential so let me throw some names at you let's see uh sean marion better he could be better than that substantially better Uh, than that Kawhi leonard different he could be better but i don't expect it Kawhi's incredible yeah, I think I think he he he's not quite the. I mean, Kawhi is just like what he did in that first game back, like the first play, just getting a steal, is the kind of like player that he is. I think Giannis, I think Giannis might be more skilled in terms of offensively, 
and he's got that like you see we don't know is how strong he's going to be like so i'm going to throw another name at you lebron james well lebron see lebron is so different because he was lebron is the strong is one of the strongest guys in the league he is the fastest guy in the league when he was in his but he wasn't that i mean like do you remember lebron james as a scrawny 18 19 oh, of year old but he was still fast he was still he was still that and his court vision was even better than Giannis's. Is. yeah it, lebron lebron he's not going to touch lebron uh, I, I mean, I think that's. I mean, that's uh, Tracy McGrady. Yeah, T Max one. I think of him as a as a reverse Kevin Durant, meaning that an elite defensive player who has the potential to be pretty good on offense. That's the. It's not like a comparison, like he's going to be Kevin Durant, but it's the reverse Kevin Durant. But offense. You know, is... you know who the skill package. You know who that the skill package reminds me the most of. Actually, it, it, it's Bobo. Huh. That's interesting. Because you know Bobo was a point guard, right? So, yeah. like the really tall point guard dude who has skills, right? And and people forget that Boris Diaw was like a really skilled. I mean, like he's you know we get to see fat Bo- Boris Diaw, but even fat Boris Diaw can do stuff that you're like you know crazy. And I think that's like the guy who can do everything. And that's kind of the thing with with Giannis is like he's so young and so skilled, and like you know he's he's 19 now. Or like, is he twenty at this point? He's God. Could you imagine like him two or three years down the line? It's, it's. I really think he can be a top five player, right? It, it, it's because he has so many kind of things he brings to the table, and he's got the right coach. So I, as I said, like I don't, I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is, and that kind of makes it just a really fun team because you have him and you have Parker, and it's 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 kind of you've got a baseline. They're going to get a couple more picks, and 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 the future is bright for uh, for the Bucks. Insanely bright, and we'll we'll move on to the number one overachiever, the team that I think your current power rankings have as the number one team in in the world, which is the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta, they, well, actually, I'm calling them the Bad Street Hawks at this point because they just they just take care of business every single night. It's uh, it's that's an old wrestling joke. People, some people will get that right. It's fabulous Freebirds, but they, I mean, like they just they they play a three and four nights, and they. They swept that three and four nights. They took poor uh, Raptors to the woodshed. Like and tonight, I mean, they they took care of business tonight as well. I mean, they they look, they just look insane. And they're also pulling the the Spurs tricks, where like they're resting players on back to backs, and they're kind of you know play, not playing any more than thirty three minutes. They they took the I mean, like they they beat the Raptors at Toronto, I believe. It was a, the game was in Toronto yesterday, right? Yeah, I believe, I believe it was. Yeah, so it was. They, they 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 won at Toronto and they went on a back to back to Chicago and just basically handled the Bulls pretty damn easily and just kind of led the whole way. I mean, it's it's this is a really good, really deep, really well coached team. And like you know, at the beginning they they, they kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning because Horford was still rounding back in shape. But I mean, if you watch that, Horford was just you know put it down. In that game uh, against Jonas, and he just that team just looks insane. And particularly, I mean, Korber just is is pure. I mean, he's 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 flirting with his own uh, three point shooting record for a season. It's it, it's a very very good, very deep team. There there aren't any bad players on that team, right? The worst player by my numbers is Peroantic, but Peroantic comes off the bench and does things for them, right? He hits he hits jumpers. And it's kind of this weird Matt Bonner like role that they put that they got him. So like his numbers are bad, but when they put him in, like the, the their offensive rating jumps like they used to for like what like Bonner's used to make the uh, the uh, the Spurs offensive ratings jump up. It's the same thing because he stretches the defenses and gravity. Gra- and, and and but I mean like the, it, it's kind of 
interesting if you watch have you watched a lot of the hawks oh not as much as i'd like to but uh, enough what's really interesting about the hawks is like like corbett just makes the defenses panic right it's like everybody like when he gets the ball and he gets an open look it's like curry but like even more like people know the ball's going in and so basically he can just by his presence alone makes defenders move right it's it's like dirk uh you, you know still dirk still does that but it's like you, you just just having him there and moving around and he sets really nice picks just moves everything and like there're all these open lanes this is a really kind of i mean i don't see anybody beating this team for the one seed in the east because they look so good. I mean, I don't know if God, I really w- if the Hawks have managed to pull off the Pacers upset last year, which they almost did, like missing half the roster. If they managed to do that, and I, I kind of think if they've done that, they might have actually gone to the conference finals. And 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 I would be looking at them in a, in a very different way. I was Corbin was on that Bulls team that went to the conference finals, right? I believe so. Yes. I can't believe I'm really thinking that the Hawks are my favorite, like to uh, to make the finals. I spent, I, I think I spent, they're, they're definitely mine, and I think I, that I, I spent I spent the month saying their odds were insulting, and the, the odds finally moved. I think right now they're at either four to one or three to one, but they were at like ten to one or twenty to one as as, as recently as a month and a half ago, and and just this team just looks like I've seen them take their opponents in the East just apart. I mean, they the last time they played the Cavs, they, they, it was just ugly. They the, the Cavs could do nothing for the to cover them on the wing. I mean, the Raptors tried, but they, they basically like the the, the the Hawks made it look easy. And I think that I need to watch this Bulls games, but I, I expect the same thing. I don't see anybody in the East beating them in a seven game series. So here's something healthy, pretty, here's something pretty impressive. During their current win streak, just their current one, not anything before that, they've already beaten eight playoff teams, and I think three of those were in the West. And if it keeps on going, they could get more very quickly. And that doesn't include Detroit, who could end up being a playoff team. And so they're beating really good teams. And what I'm thinking with them, why I think they're the favorites to win the East, is that to me, if you think about it at full strength, which I think is the most fair way to think about it, the only teams that I see having a decent shot against them, and I'm using the word decent very charitably, are the Bulls and the Cavs, just because they have the high-end talent and they have experience in the playoffs. I don't see Washington, Toronto, Milwaukee. I don't see any of those teams giving the Hawks much trouble. I mean, they've already whooped those teams recently. And so I think that the chances that this Bulls team, you and I have talked about it for more than eight months now, it seems like, the chances the Bulls are fully healthy in the conference semifinals or finals are low, and the chances that the Cavs are the Cavs are even lower considering that they haven't been it all year. So I think that the Hawks are the odds-on favorite, and I think I feel far more confident in them winning the East than I do anything in the West. So basically right now, the the, the Hawks have the best, through 41 games, they have the best record in franchise history by three games. Yeah, right. sounds about right. And they've—I don't think the Hawks have ever been this far up in the East. And I mean, I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, I don't. The, the Bulls aren't good enough defensively, and this is, feels weird to say for a for a for a th- tip teams. But I've got them as like the like this is again since Christmas. I've got them as a 22nd ranked offense and the 14th ranked defense. They they're not good enough to beat the Hawks, right? They they don't have enough offense or enough defense. Now again. Uh, the weird thing with the with the Bulls is, is I think there are ways for them to like if they use Meritek more if if somehow Rose like you know takes some special potion or has a special procedure in Germany and he's back I mean no I mean 
Weirdly, I think we're going to get a Spurs-Hawks finals. I mean, like, well, I, I think the league might throw their body in front of that, but that's kind of what it looks like to me right now. Would you just, dis- I mean, that, that would be my pick for finals. Would, would you disagree with that? That would be my pick right now, but I think Warriors Spurs would be a really tough would be a really tough thing. And I think the Warriors play really well. The Spurs just have exactly the right talent for it. But you know, again, like we talked about with with Chicago, we haven't seen the Spurs as the Spurs yet, but I think it's coming. I think we saw it a little bit yesterday. But yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. One of the things that I wanted to hit with not among these teams is, but you and I have been looking through your numbers of things post Christmas. The Jazz, I think they're eighth in defense. I'm just in love with where this team could be going. Well, I, the thing about this team is I love Rudy Gobert, and I've said this. I, I, there, there isn't a player in the league like so. There, like I was I thinking about as a Celtics fan, there isn't anything on the Celtics roster that I wouldn't trade for Rudy Gobert, right? And and this is this is just I love him. I do think they're kind of they're a little bit trying to like uh, see if they can move um, Cantor, so they're playing more than they should. I really do like that team. I wish. Uh, the the problem with the Jazz has always been like they don't have enough handle, uh, actually on that team. But I do think this is something they can take care of. But but again, I do I do agree with you, and I like their future. Yeah, I, I really like their future, and they're another team that is on heavily on the right side of the age curve, and that can get a lot better. I, I, what I would do with them is whatever you can get for Enos Cantor, you do that. You get you have the backup for be a guy who can stretch. They have Novak, but you know you get a Novak but younger and that kind of that kind of mold a pure stretch for. And then what you do is you just throw a bunch of crap at the wall at the swingman and perimeter spots and just pray that someone sticks. Well, and again, the the, the thing is they, they they found a franchise center and they found a franchise center who is who is a, a great rim protector and he is not offensively actually he's he's actually a plus player offensively in Gobert. And and once you've got that, then everything else is easy. You've got that. You've got Hayward. You've got Favors, right? So you've got three pieces, right? And I think they have a lot of really good young, like a really good talented guards that are going to get better. I think Exum, Exum's nothing good to shake at right now. He's he's okay. But I do think Exum's going to be a player who's going to be good, right? So if they can get anything for Cantor, Right, and they could. I think they're gonna get another. They're gonna get another asset this year because they're, they're gonna get a high pick, and so if they can get like another, what they really need probably is a like a, a defensive like a like a jack of all trades swingman. Because I'd rather have Hayward at the two. See if you agree with me. I'd rather have Hayward at the two. Yeah, I mean the two guys that I've thought of for them. I don't know if their pick will be good enough to get either one of them. Would be Carl Towns is kind of the dream third big man who would eventually become the second big man and maybe the first big man. And the perimeter guy is Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow is an amazing defensive talent and can hit open shots. I think, and he can defend both the twos and the threes. I think if they could get either one of those guys, they to me in terms of future rankings propel into the top four in the West, which is insane considering how good the West is. You think you think the Warriors would be willing to move somebody like Iggy or David Lee to them? For what? Can't uh, the problem is the, the problem is like doesn't any, make any sense for the Warriors. Yeah, I think the problem is like any any trade with with anybody like the Jazz are calling calling me to make the trade. The name that's coming off my my, my lips is Rudy. No, no, I want Rudy. No, no, and they're not going to give up Rudy. So I think that's the problem with like moving Cantor is like everybody's like they're going to call to offer Cantor and everybody's going to want Rudy. I think that's that's probably the problem they're having making that trade. And again, I, I mean, I don't know if maybe you just want to kind of if they can roll him for a pick or something, and maybe just get another pick into that system and get everybody another year. 
I mean, if you get this team with with Gobert playing starter minutes next year, I think that automatically makes him like a 45-win team. And some of the teams in front of them are going to slip, right, because they're getting older. So, yeah, I mean... You want to know the deal? Mm Mm-hmm. Canner to the Thunder for a package that involves Reggie Jackson. Oh, oh, I like that. That's that's the Uh, move. That's the move. That I like, because then you're talking about Reggie Jackson... Hayward, who's playing the two? Well, you probably, you eventually you to me, yeah, Alec Burks, and then you play Reggie with Exum at points too. Yeah, so basically you're playing Reggie and Exum, and then Hayward. I like that. That's actually if you did that, that's a team that if that if that team was in the East, that team could make the playoffs in the East. Well, I mean, if they were in the East, the, the math would be different because they'd probably be playing Gobert more, and they they would be making the playoffs in the East. They're just they just the problem is like in the West, they they might win 45 games next year and finish in the 10 seed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and then they get another lottery pick, and then they push in. You know that I think that they have faith in that, or maybe they can fight to make it a top sixteen format, and they could get in this the sixteenth seed in the top sixteen. But ah. yeah, I'm I'm excited for them. And the other benefit with them, I talked a little bit about it with Nate last week, is that they have these guys under contract. They have them under team control, so it's not a situation where it's all going to fall apart. As long as they want to keep these guys, they can keep them. Well, nobody, and, and honestly, no, no young team has a better situation than no, 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 no. These teams have a better situation than them because they have Gobert. I mean, like, not even, not even New Orleans because New Orleans has all these bad contracts, right? That that that's so. New Orleans has Anthony Davis, but they have crap contracts that they can't move. They these guys have Gobert, and they don't really have anything that's 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 nailed down, which is really really good, right? So. So I, I again I I like their situation I like what they have and I and I think it, that they they have the centerpiece to actually build for the future which is really great. Are there any other teams you want to work through? You want to talk about Detroit? Sure, let's talk about Detroit. So the the, the Pistons actually and and the reasons I'm doing everything since Christmas is because like hey the Pistons if you look at things since Christmas that's when a certain player was released. So the Pistons since Christmas are they are fourth in point margin. They're fifth in offense and seventh in defense, right? And I think they're like one of the few teams that are top ten. And they've actually looked really, 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 really good. I mean, it. it and, and the thing with that is, and, and I looked through this. I was looking for guys who were who took that many shots and were where you see such a small return on the shots, right? So they're they're big big, big time volume chuckers who had like really low efficiency, and you don't see a lot of those guys traded. Right, which is weird. So this is kind of unprecedented, and and it it seems to have just had a, like everybody's numbers on that team exploded, and really it, it, it's the argument like well when you had Josh Smith on the team you really didn't have to cover him right because you could just let him shuck all those shots and then you basically kind of like lay off and cover everybody else and like once that's changed that's like you know it's like it's like like moment where like in the uh, if you I don't know if you ever watched Dragon Ball Z where like Goku would take off the weighted shirt. So that's been the equivalent of getting rid of Josh Smith. It's 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 not that these guys suddenly are more skilled. It's just like they're getting less defensive attention because you actually have to cover the five guys on the floor. Plus, Jody Meeks can actually shoot. So you, you put him in there and you, you stretch the floor. And, and, and just it looks, this team all of a sudden looks like Stan Van Gundy's Orlando Magic's team with a Drummond playing the part of a young Dwight and then all these other guys who just kind of laying around and shooting and doing things. And and they take smart shots and they do smart things. And I, I really do think that there's there, there's every shot that they make the playoffs. And they I, I don't think they're going to be an eight seed. I think they're going to be something like a six seed, actually. Six, maybe even five. Yeah, it, it's crazy how much talent they have and how much more sense it makes 
But yeah, I, I, I think that it's ex- it's exciting for me to see that they're like, okay, you know, you and I were both high on the Pistons, and I think what this has shown is that that was justified, and I've been super, super happy for Drummond because I'm so high on his potential, and he's been really, really good in this stretch. He's been a huge part of their success. Yeah, I mean, he just he just looks better. I mean, like him and Monroe looks like a really good fit. Once you once you like Josh Smith was just something that just made no sense for them, right? And and I think we'll, I think we should talk about Josh Smith's team in a bit, the new his new team. But I think I mean it just makes much more sense for to have them Drummond and Monroe at the bottom. Then you have Meeks and you have Jennings and you have uh, it's Colo Pope is is uh, it's Colo Pope is playing the the small forward for them right now, right? I believe so. I wanna... I'll look to make sure that he's technically getting the starts. Yeah, I believe so too. Uh, I, I think, and, and so it makes much more sense. And like Jennings just looks better. And then Meeks has been really, really good. I mean, like you replace. Uh, I mean, like Meeks has been a, a a plus offensive player. And replacing Josh Smith's minutes, or like calling Josh Smith a minus def- offensive player on the Pistons, is an insult to minus offensive players. He was a historic. Like literally, I looked at. At like the history of the NBA, like since the merger, and he was like bottom three in terms of like you know kind of the imp- the negative impact on an offense with the kind of shots that he was taking on this team. And again, I think it was a product of what they were trying to do. But you know, I, I res- I, my respect for Stan Van Gundy for cutting him is nobody's ever done this before, right? So it, it's unprecedented and it, it, it's shown results and it's been great. Yeah, it has been so, great. Uh, one thing I'll add in is that technically their starter, their Fifth starter has been Kyle Singler. Meeks has been coming off the bench, but they've both been playing in the in the mid twenties. So you know, functionally, it's pretty much the same. But yeah, I think that it, it he does deserve a lot of credit for that because he was wrong for this team, and they yeah maybe they should have gotten a little bit bolder and tried to tried to trade him when they could. But at the same time, it looks like it could work out relatively well for them. And I think that leads us pretty well into Josh Smith's new team, which is the Rockets, which we've talked about a little bit before, but. They're in a really complicated, fun situation because they have so much talent. Their talent makes more sense now, but they're still really flawed. So, see, here's the thing. Uh, what it comes down to is, I've, and I said, there's. I always thought there was a little bit of Jordan in, in James Harden, right? And I think, and and and, and 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 I'll say this: this is this is. Imagine if Jordan had come into the league without spending four years, or actually three years in North Carolina under Dean Smith, right? And I think that's. That's what you, like so you you get Harden and Harden is a guy and I say this because Harden is a guy who's real competitive right, but he also has some really bad habits and people forget that Michael had some really bad habits too. He, he still does right, famously do that, but like he's just hyper competitive. And I think the thing with Harden is Harden is not as good a defender. He's a really good offensive player who's not a great defender. So if you're building a team around him, you need to build this team of plus defenders. And 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 I think I'm going to dovetail into the Josh Smith trade. Whereas Josh Smith didn't make any sense on Detroit because Josh Smith cannot be your primary scorer or your secondary scorer or really a guy who's taking a lot of shots. On this Houston team, if his role is going to be, okay, you, we want you to slide to the basket and play defense and not start, then really for what they're trying to do, it makes sense as long as you can keep his shots, like his shots under control. And, and that's, and again, he hasn't been great for them. But he hasn't like he killed them the first couple games, right? I think he's actually been better for them, so it could work. I mean, I hate the fact that they cut Tariq Black because Tariq Black has actually been playing pretty well for them. But if I mean, if they're what they're looking for is look, when we get to the playoffs, we want a guy who can do dirty things. Then Josh Smith is perfect for that. 
right? I, I think, again, I think their hope is that Howard's going to be healthy. And he's still he's getting better. And, and, and the other hope is, you know, we've got James Harden, and James Harden is going to be the best player on the court on the majority of the series he plays. And, and that's kind of been the case. I mean, you know, there's situations where that won't be the case, but I think that's a, you know, it's a good plan for Moy going forward. I'm certainly not willing to write off the Rockets, right? I, I, I think we have to have them in the title conversation, right? Could you see them winning the title this year? Yeah, I could definitely see them winning the title, and that's because it's it's kind of a wide crew this year, and I think that they, you know, we talk about ceilings. I think that their ceiling is just as high as anyone else other than the Spurs, because we know the Spurs ceiling, and we know how high yeah. it is. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I see them, the only, the way I see them winning the title is James Harden goes completely bonkers in the in the playoffs. He's done it before, right? And, and if, he, if that's the case, then I could see them winning the title. Uh, and again, I think Howard has to have a certain modicum of health, and then and jo, uh, Josh Smith has to do good Josh Smith, not bad Josh Smith things. So there's a couple things, and and again, some things have to break their way. So uh, I mean, I I think Bogut in that scenario, Bogut wouldn't be 100% healthy. In that scenario, uh, probably the Spurs are a little banged up, right? Although I I think the the, the Rockets are actually a bad matchup for the Spurs, right? So, but 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 yeah, I mean, I I think I could see that. Uh, I, I was a lot more bullish before they made the Josh Smith trade, actually. Even though I, I mean, I kind of see where the fit is. My my, my concern is always been, it's always going to be that Josh Smith is going to take too many shots. It's it's a Dion Waiters concern. It's like no, he's he's going to take too many shots in crunch time. That's going to kill him some game. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it will. So, are, if if you're saying that your most likely finals right now would be um, would be Hawks Spurs, is that right? Yeah, I'm saying that right now, and and this is going to feel weird to say, but I would say I would have Spurs with the best odds to win the finals, right? So Spurs Spurs with the best odds to win the title, then probably I would say Warriors Grizzlies in some order, and then the Mavs and the Hawks. I can't believe I have the Hawks in my top five. That's kind of, but there it is, you know. Yeah, I think I think I'd have them fourth, which is even crazier because I'd have them over the Mavs. I'm just I'm just not as sold on this Mavs team. If it's okay, so the finals are starting and it's the Mavs versus. Uh, here's the thing: the Hawks would have home court advantage, right? I, I just realized the Hawks. There's a real shot that the Hawks could have could be the number one overall seed in the NBA this season because they're playing in the East. So yeah, I mean, like I think unless they I think, put their foot off the gas pedal because they have no reason to keep winning. Well, I think I think here's the thing. I think they're whereas the Spurs won't care about the overall number one seed. I think Budenholzer will. I mean, I think they they will care about getting the number one, and they'll care because they want to have home court in the finals, right? So I think I think the Hawks are smart enough to understand that like the numbers break in their favor if they have the home court, right? So I I mean, God, I might have to rate. I I can't believe it. I might actually have to rate them higher. I might have to have them at the three, because I. Okay, so Im- imaginary finals. So let's say it's the Spurs versus the Hawks. Who you got? Oh, Spurs easily. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Spurs in five probably. So sorry, Warriors against the Hawks with the Hawks as the home with the home court. I'd still have Warriors, but it'd be close. That uh, that would be an exciting series. Yeah, I, I think. What about Spurs? Sorry, Hawks versus uh, Grizzlies. <laughs> I said I said this would be probably the the finals. I would have to go to games because. This would be the best culinary experience in the finals ever, right? But I don't think the league lets it happen. But say, let's say it's Grizzlies versus Hawks, and the Hawks have home court. Huh. 
Uh, I think I'd go Grizzlies, but that would be that'd be you could I I could be easily swayed to Atlanta, especially if they're playing as well then as they are right now. Yeah, I think I'd go. I, I think I'd have to go Hawks because I think Budenholzer like was there and he knows what the Spurs do to stop the Grizzlies, right? So I think he pa- I think he packed the middle and challenged the the Grizzlies to beat him from outside, which is the way you beat the Grizzlies. Yeah. Right? I, so I, uh, so let, I, we've it's kind of anybody anybody else from the so let's say let let's let's run through the same exercise. So let's assume healthy Bulls team, hundred percent healthy Bulls team uh, versus the Spurs in the finals. Who wins? Oh, see, I have, I'd have every all the main contenders. So the the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Grizzlies over over the Bulls right now because I don't trust the Bulls at the three, and I don't trust Tibbs to play Miritich there. So the the other team that can make it out of the East is the Wizards. Do you, do we think the Wizards can beat anybody in the West in the finals? Nah. Yeah, I think I think they make it interesting, but 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 no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think the only team out of the and this is just crazy to say, but the only team out of the East that I think can win the finals is the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, and the Cavs if the Cavs can become the Cavs because they're 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 high in talent. You know, I I always <laughs> talk about the idea of if you have two of the three best players in a series, you always have a good chance, and they're the only team in the East that can do that. The, the but the Cavs see the Cavs are more like to me they're more like the Thunder. Before the Thunder, like the Thunder, the first, the Thunder team that made the conference finals. Whereas I think they're going to run into a round where, like, they're just not going to get the calls, right? I mean, like, I, I, they're going to run into, like, so let's say, let's say, so, so what's, let's do a what if scenario. How, where do you think the, the Cavs become the Cavs? What seed do they finish at? Uh, four or five. But basically, what, what my logic is, is, you know, which teams at their best have the ceiling to get there. And I think that while I think it's incredibly unlikely that Cleveland gets there, I still think they have, I think they have the best ceiling in the conference. It's just that they're less and less likely by the day to get there. Yeah, the, the problem is like, it, so the Cavs would play the Bucks in the first round, and they would play the Hawks in the second round. Yeah, that'd be and vicious. They, I, I, I can't, I can't, I've seen, I've seen this team and this coach play the Hawks. I cannot see. I can't. I can't see the Cavs beating. I. I just can't see it. I, I mean, like, right, I can't see it. Right? If the if the Heat couldn't beat the Spurs, the Cavs can't beat the Hawks. Right? It, it's just well. No. What I want is a Cavs Wizards three six. That's I. I just want that more than anything. Ah man. So you're saying the Cavs? If the Cavs are the sixth seed, that's a really interesting. I think Cavs Wiz because I still think that Kevin Garnett winds up on the Wizards. Right. I still think there's a shot that we get Kevin Garnett on the Wizards, and that would be kind of insane, right? Because then that's that's that that becomes a really interesting kind of uh, subplot. But I think the Wizards. I think the Wizards. So who would you have in a Cavs Wizards uh, playoff series? Right now, I think I'd have the Wizards, but I, I I still love the talent on Cleveland, even if they're poorly utilized right now. Uh, I, I man, I just I just would be so excited for that series. But at the same time, a Cavs Toronto series would not have the same sizzle for me. Yeah, I think, I think Toronto. So, and we're walking through. So, like the East. So, so do we think Toronto is? Do we think Toronto Toronto wins around? Right. So it's like Toronto would probably be what the two seed, and who would they get in round one? Whoever, oh, they, maybe Detroit. Ooh. I would. I, I ooh. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have Toronto over Detroit right now. <laughs> that's that's weird, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, but I let, the bottom of the East is just ridiculous right now. I mean, you have Miami and Brooklyn there right now, but I don't think either of them would do much. But if you could get Detroit in there, and the other team that's a huge sleeper, depending on what they do with it, is if Indiana's in the mix. Yeah, I think... They're the team. Then if we, you got an Indiana-Toronto series, 
or an Indiana Atlanta rematch with Paul George playing. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the the the, the two hidden. So if I have to look at the East and pick like uh, like uh, dark horses, so I think I think the Hawks are the clear favorite. I think Milwaukee is really interesting, and I think Indiana, if Paul George is back, is really interesting as well, right? But I don't. Th- th- those are my three teams, and I think I mean I, I had Washington, but but again, the more I think about it, like Washington is, I don't love the coaching in Washington. So I don't know that I, I don't think Washington can beat Atlanta. And, and again, Toronto hasn't been playing well recently, right? So and and I, I mean I don't I like Toronto, but I, I I can't see them beating the Hawks, right? The other team I'd add in is if Detroit can get to the seven, I think that Detroit has a meaningful chance of making the conference finals. Oh, oh, I think Detroit's getting in. I mean, I, I think I have I have their 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 game out right now. Detroit's getting in. Well, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Um, Thanks so much for taking the time. It was fun. Thank you, Danny. Thanks again to Arturo Gulletti for taking the time to come on. You can read him at BoxScoreGeeks.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Arturo Gulletti. That's A-R-T-U-R-O-G-A-L-L-E-T-T-I. Really appreciated having him on. It was a lot of fun to talk about those teams. I actually already recorded another podcast with Jared Weiss talking about the Celtics, and we hit on some broader NBA topics. That was really fun, too. So look for that in the next couple days. We're still figuring out the release timing of everything. And Nate Duncan from last week, looking always looking for good guests. If there's anybody that you'd like, let me know or let them know, both of which are much appreciated. And also, any feedback, I always read it, and I try to respond as best I can. And you can send it to... Daniel.LaRue at RealGM.com. It's my email. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at DannyLaRue. That's D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Take care and make it a great day. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bok, bok, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bok, bok, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. One of the best things about Randall's is all the friendly and helpful people. And now, Randall's is looking for more great employees just like you. That's right. All Randall's stores are now hiring friendly new faces to join their team. Ages 16 and up can apply today. If you or someone you know is looking for a job with flexible schedules, great benefits, career advancement opportunities, and even scholarships, then have them stop by the nearest Randall's store for more details. Randall's. It's just better.